0: Ciao amici, buon pomeriggio, good afternoon. And I should say benvenuti or bentornati to Kimberly's Italy. Welcome to or welcome back to Kimberly's Italy. We have had so many new listeners in the last few weeks. So in case someone chooses this latest episode to listen to first... My name is Kimberly Holcomb, and I'm here with Tommaso, my co-host, my podcast producer, and my partner in life. Ciao, Tommaso.
1: Ciao, Belladonna. Ciao.
0: <laughs> I am a travel planner specializing in just Italy, private trips for anyone, anywhere in Bellitalia. I also escort small groups of people, up to eight, on request. But travel planning of completely personalized and unique trips is my forte. Tomaso and I started this podcast in April of 2020 while we were all awaiting vaccinations and the thought of when Italy would open back up again so we could all go and get our Italian fix.
1: The world get back to normal.
0: Right. And I think we found our like-minded friends with you guys all around the world who share our love of all things Italian.
1: And just to expand upon that around the world, we've just did the stats this morning and we're now in 66 countries. We've added Ecuador and Uruguay. Now, I don't know anyone in Ecuador, but I do know one person in Punto del Este, Uruguay. Oh, right. So if Matias Bianco, at some point, if that's you, my friend, we've <laughs> done a lot of sailing together in the Mediterranean and up in Newport. And Matias, if you're listening to us. Thank you. Buenos dias. And ciao. And ciao.
0: <laughs> anyway, we're so glad you found us from wherever you are. And we're very grateful if you share our podcasts with fellow Italian addicts. This new episode carries on with my road trip. We're calling the epic road trip from north to south that I did in October and November. And this one is on the drive from Rome to Matera.
1: And we're still in Kitten Club 1 here.
0: Yes. Okay. For those of you that don't know, (laughs) I won't repeat this every time, but when this whole thing started, basically a year and a half ago, I was just going to take some three women, four women and myself, and Tom nicknamed it the Kitten Club, all girls. (laughs) And then we got another group to tag on to the last part of this road trip of mine. And therefore, Tom nicknamed that one Kitten Club 2. But he escorted us on that second trip. Or I should say he came along, he tagged along. And then therefore, he was called Tomcat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, here we go. Roma to Matera. We left Rome. Well, minus one woman. Samantha had to leave, unfortunately, go back to work in the United States uh, we left Rome around midday in our little Fiat Tipo, went back to the Parqueggio Underground lot in Piazza Cavour and drove out the same way we came in, which was with our phone up to our face with GPS <laughs> to, to <laughs> tell you how to get out, how to get in. It's like any city. It's like Manhattan or Paris or L.A., wherever you live until you know it. Well, it's hard to find your way in and out. Rome is... um,
1: Well, it was also laid out in a few previous centuries. It doesn't have any freeways, (laughs) okay? There's no like on exit 14, get off. But anyway,
0: we got out and we chose to collectively decided to take the autostrada the entire way to Matera because we wanted to get there. We heard it's just incredible. So highway driving it was. It was about a five-hour drive from Rome to Matera, but you got off the autostrada with probably like 2 hours of secondary roads. And when we did do that, it started to um rain for the first time in 10 days, so that was okay. And it was starting to get dark and before we got onto the really small roads, we saw an auto grill, which I explained in another episode on our drive from Lago di Como to Tuscany. I turned the kitten club onto auto grill. We had the best vegetable panini ever. We had delicious cappuccino. We bought incredible Swiss chocolate. You know, you name it. We had they had the best auto grill experience. So when we were driving to Matera, we saw an auto grill and I was like, hmm, looks a little um low-key compared to the <laughs> upscale ones but let's sure let's give it a whirl
1: a little suspect we
0: we went in all excited and the second we walked in we're like "Mm." (laughs) disappointment right away but i did have a cappuccino it was the worst cappuccino in all of my trip but that's all right i needed the uh little Little boost the jolt and someone got a bag of chips and water and we're like "Mm, okay we'll have to (laughs) we'll have to go to a a better auto grill before a kitten club trips over. So anyway, we get onto these secondary roads, very small roads, and it was getting late and dark. Sun was setting and it was raining. And then it kind of became funny. Like, this is really dark. Charlene lives in LA. Sally lives close to Boston or, you know, major city. And, you know, unless you're in a super rural place, In any country where there's absolutely no streetlights, that's what this was like, but it seemed to go on forever. And then we kind of doubted maybe that our GPS was taking us the wrong way.
1: Well, the GPS would take you the right way. The question would be the the navigator. (laughs) The navigator interpreting what the GPS says well.
0: Sally was the primary uh, navigator. She did a good job. Anyway, so we finally turned this bend in the small road. And some of the roads didn't even have like this stripe painted in the middle. I mean, we're talking very small roads. Take a bend, turn a corner, and all of a sudden, far in the distance. It was like an oasis in the desert. And High up on a small mountain was Matera. You saw the lights of Matera and we're like, civilization. So the accommodations where we're staying gave us the link to an underground parking garage because most of Matera is completely car free, car free zone. So we had to park in a underground garage that they're affiliated with. So we found it easily, and I was in this Fiat Tipo station wagon. Keep in mind, that's kind of on the small side of a station wagon. Kind and of. we go down this um, ramp, and it was like a complete vertical drop corkscrew ramp going straight down. And I thought, oh, this is like a tight fit with a Fiat Tipo. And I kept thinking about, I'll be back in 10 days with a 10-person vet passenger van. <laughs> so that's all I could think of. But we get down there. The nicest guys are running this place, family run affair as usual, and the dad unloads everything and then the son or the nephew or somebody drives us in a van with our luggage up that ramp and as close to our dwelling, cave dwelling, which is where we stayed, they're all called cave dwellings. So he drove us as close as possible, which was relatively close. And all we had to do was walk up this very long ramp of stone steps. But a gentleman that works at our place came down and helped carry. And so did the nephew. And we get to the top and then we were just speechless. The three of us were just completely speechless, standing, looking at this incredible accommodation built into the rock. And so we tipped the gentleman that carried our bags. We go in, we meet the lovely young women that were working there. They gave us a tour, uh, well, kind of explained the lay of the land here and showed us into Stone Church from the third century AD, which is where breakfast and any or private event, dinner, etc., cetera, and aperitivo hour, cocktail hour, <laughs> that's where everything takes place in this deconsecrated Stone Church. And down the way was our room. She showed us everything and explained exactly how they renovated these cave dwellings to be what they are. So they photographed everything before they started every stone, every single inch they photographed to add the heat and the electricity and the plumbing. They did all they needed to do and then replaced each stone to where they found it. Had it been there for 7,000 years, probably they put it back in place and there are no doors except the door into your particular dwelling. And that's like a, eight inch wood, like castle door felt like, but there's no doors that separate the sleeping areas to the bathrooms, but don't let that creep you out because they actually have like a, just a natural stone wall to separate the different areas. One little window in the front and the rest was lit by candlelight. Seriously, there were some, a few, like maybe two or three small little torch lights built into the stone, but that's just for necessity. The rest of the place, the entire place was lit by candlelight. I don't know what kind of candles they were, but they were amazing. And they lasted quite a long time. Right. And we said, do we blow these out when we leave each time? They're like, no, the place is stone. (laughs) Like, got it. So that night, since um, we hadn't eaten anything because the auto grill was such a disappointment, we just walked down the hill to a osteria that was close by. And it was also a cave dwelling, but they had a like a sheetrock roof, basically, that was a, a sheetrock ceiling with right. lighting that was painted white. So it was brighter and lovely. And the the people were fantastic. We had a delicious meal and... It was our first time having the wine from the region, and the grapes are called Aglianco. It was so good. And seriously, that bottle of wine on the menu was 12 euro. And it was delicious. You had some later when you were there. Yes. It was so lovely. Then we went back to our dwelling, and they had turned down each of our beds, and they had put in a little platter of fruit and some chocolates and a bottle of Aglianco. So we drank that as well. (laughs) There were three of us, no big deal, right? And we slept, it was so quiet. It was just amazing. It was hard to go to sleep because you realize you were laying in this cave dwelling from thousands of years ago. Yes. But just so tasteful, so well done. Anyway, the next morning I got up really early. I was super excited to be there.
1: Uh, if I may interject here for one second. A lot of sure. people might think staying in a cave because I I want to comment here even though I wasn't on Kitten Club 1. <laughs> but when I got there, you know, one would think a cave underground is going to be humid and have it's moisture. It's not that it was
0: underground, it was built into the mountain. It, it's under stone, it's but it's not under, underground.
1: It's still inside a mountain. The earth. <laughs> yes. And um they have dehumidifiers in there and Including the radiant heat. And it was just so n- wonderful. Oh, it wasn't damp at all. A- at all. It was, the only time it was damp is, well, when we took a bath. Oh. <gasps> that, we'll talk about that next time. Okay. Then,
0: well, uh, we took baths in our trip too. Yeah. Super uh, oh, sorry. contemporary bathtubs placed in the middle of one area of the stone
1: cave. Yeah, probably like a 16 by 24 room and you're in the middle of this wonderful... You're in this scooped out bathtub. Yeah,
0: very modern, very comfortable, I will say. Very comfortable. And a glass of wine in hand, some music. Yeah. Perfect. Anyway, the next morning I got up really early because, A, I was super excited and I love to explore places in the morning by myself and the other kitten chicks were sound asleep. So I got up and I just started walking straight up because, well, I'll give you a little travel tip here. The thing to do in Italy. If you have never been in a particular village or a town, the thing to do is find your way to the Duomo. And from there, you know that the village or the city, whatever, stretches out from there. And this Duomo is located on one of the highest parts of the city. So when I got to it, I went to the far side of the little square piazza it's on and stood at this stone, like, you know, waist high stone wall and looked at the view of the well, they call it a city, but you
1: know, I'll call it a city. But it's it was a city in three a in yeah, three hundred right, A D. Right.
0: <laughs> anyway, I was completely blown away. I was speechless. It was unlike any place I'd ever been to. It was un. It was a view unlike I've ever seen in person. I mean, you've all seen pictures of Petra and Jordan and the. Beginning stages of Istanbul, but I've never seen those. This particular place was the most unique place I'd ever seen. And the one of the reasons is because the vista, the landscape, is completely monochrome. It's just rock, gray, right. Right. silver, dark, where the sun would cause shadows. But it was this monochrome vista of rock and stone and structures carved out of this rock. So they abutted each other and they made for a landscape that was basically otherworldly. And Agreed. I was just, it was mind boggling. I just stood there for, I don't know how long, but from where I was standing to the far side of Matera, maybe it's half a mile. But from north to south, it's probably over a mile. So right. you, I was looking at every little inch of these old sassy cave dwellings that I'll get into in a second. But it was, just addicting. I couldn't pull myself away, but I did finally because I heard the church bells behind me. But before I get into that, I should fill you in on a little history. So this all makes sense. All right. So history lovers, apparently most scholars are still a bit unsure of the exact time that these saucy caves, these stone dwellings were first inhabited, but they mostly agree that it was sometime in the paleolithic age And the Paleolithic Age, which they call the nickname the Old Stone Age, (laughs) right? (laughs) That's old. And it ended around 12,000
1: years ago, that age. You know why I love talking about history like this? It makes us feel so young. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it makes
0: America feel young. That's what gets me, right? So people carved into the rock to make these dwellings, and they're called saucy. S-A-S-S-I, which in Italian means stones. And these Sassi remain to this day. So they're at least 9,000 years old, nine to 7,000 years old. I mean, and people lived in them. So these Sassi are thought to be the first human settlements in what is now Italy. Anyway, old, old, old. But historians do agree on the fact that Matera itself, not the Saucy, but Matera itself was found in 251 BC and at the time was called Mafiola. Then for centuries, it was conquered by, you know, a plethora of unwanted rulers. Lombards, Greeks, Romans, Byzantine, Germanic, Normans, Bourbons, you name it. And then finally in the 1500s all the way to the 1800s, Italians took over, other Italians. And finally, in 1927, it became the capital of the Matera province and was referred to at that time as Matera. Most people have heard about how the Sassi caves were inhabited up until the 50s. But the living conditions in those years, in that century, were horrible. Without running water, without electricity, obviously no bathrooms. And the word got out around all of Italy and Europe about the extreme poverty and the uninhabitable living conditions of these Sassi. So Matera's reputation sank, and it became known as the shame of Italy. And an Italian writer wrote a book about this, and that's how the word really got out. And finally, the government stepped up. And in 1952, they evacuated all of the saucy dwellers and relocated them with force, I must say, to public housing in the new part of town, which were built just for this relocation effort. But then, sadly, the Saucy were completely abandoned for decades. And finally, in 1980, a decade-long cleanup took place, and in 1993, the Saucy were named a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And then, in 2019, Matera was named the European Capital of Culture. So how far they came from the shame of Italy in just a few decades, to the European capital of culture.
1: It really proves what men can do when they put their minds right? to it.
0: And how proud they all were. Yes. Because when Tom was there, we took that walking tour with a local man who lived yep. part of his life in Assisi.
1: Yep. And it was, you know, it was shameful to live there. You weren't you weren't looked upon as anything but, you know, lowlifes. Right. And- um, Like but, from but, abject poverty. Yes. But-, but Particularly in a country like Italy, which has so much beauty and you're living in this less than humble Right.
0: But he was so proud oh, it, it, of that, that of it turned named into the, the European capital yes. of culture. Yes. Even more so than
1: his grandparents'
0: saucy being a
1: UNESCO World Heritage Site. And and as much as one likes to walk around in Italy and in, in Venice and Florence and Rome and you go around and think of the the many People and generations have walked there before. When you're walking around Matera, you just can't imagine the time because it is so old. And you're coming down the hill, and it feels so old. And how many people have walked there for generations and generations and generations and millennials, millenniums, and, and <laughs> not millennials. And uh, yeah, it was just just wild to think of what it once was. Right, and it still
0: is. It's it's, it's amazing now. All right. So that's your little history class back to the view. I had that morning at the piazza all by myself. As I said, it was just mind boggling, breathtaking. I couldn't pull myself away, but I finally did because I heard music and singing coming from the Duomo. So I went into the main door, not knowing I'll tell you why later, but I went into the main door and I found myself completely alone in this Duomo and the interior was not what I expected from the simple exterior. It was ornate with gold gild and gold gilt everywhere. Frescoes on the ceiling. Intricate, super intricate marble inlays. It was amazing.
1: I just want to say, anything that impresses the church lady, after all she's seen, is pretty impressive.
0: But you went in too, but it's just, it was so simple. Yes. And not humble, but simple from yeah. the exterior. And you walked in, it was, I just... Didn't expect that at all. Yeah. So anyway, the singing came from a little service, a little mass going on in a side chapel. And when they finished, they all kind of exited. So I did as well. And when they scattered throughout the piazza down the little sidewalks to where they live, I was in that piazza all by myself again. And I realized it's it was maybe... 7.15, I don't know what time of mass is, 7 a.m. It was like 7.15, 7.30 a.m. And it was so quiet because there's zero cars there. No cars, no school buses, just church bells ringing. That was about it. No noise because you're on top of this stone mountain with these deep ravines, super deep ravines on either side. No other villages within distance at all, nothing. And I stood there looking at the view in this complete and utter quiet. And I thought, this is one of the most beautiful hours I've had in my life in Italy.
1: And you've had some pretty beautiful hours. Yeah, that's a big statement, right? That's a big statement.
0: It really, maybe because it was new to me, but it was also because it was so unique. Like I said, unlike anywhere, I've been anywhere. So there you have it go to Matera off-season, get up early, go to church and stand there at 7 (laughs) a.m. And you, too, can have that experience. Experience
1: what church lady did.
0: (laughs) right? So anyway, I went back to the cave dwelling, and the girls were up and ready for breakfast. So we go into that deconsecrated church from the 3rd century A.D., and it's dark inside, as I told you, and there's some candles and whatnot. But because of COVID, because of their precautions for COVID— We were seated at our own wooden slab table. I felt like we were at a, you know, King Arthur table. (laughs) And so each group from each couple, family, person, whomever in their own cave sat at their own table. And then you were shown for breakfast to a table by a waiter. In our case, it was Pietro. He was fantastic And he took us over to this table and the three of us thought, oh, interesting. There's like a thousand types of cheese here. All Italian cheese, some I've never seen before. And he was explaining all of them. And there were a couple slices of apples, some grapes and some bread. We thought, okay, cheese breakfast. All right. So we loaded up our plates. We carry them back to our table ourselves. And then this other lovely woman, Nunzia, she delivered some cappuccino and we just had a beautiful breakfast. And then Pietro comes back and goes, okay, ladies, let's go. We have yogurt. We have fruit. We have eggs. And we're like, what? Where's all that? It was way on the other side of this long, deep cave. We didn't see it. So we just plowed through like 10 pounds of cheese each (laughs) (laughs) thinking that's all they served. So he showed us and we're like, oh my God, it looks so good. They had one table of just baked goods, gluten-free, normal stuff, tarts, breads, not muffins per se, but like brioche and cornetto, they call them. And then the eggs and the meats, you would have loved like this. Well, you did. I did. Them. <laughs> Cured dried meats, this yogurt and handmade, homemade granola. We're like, oh my God, We're like we can't do anymore. However, we have two or three more breakfasts, so we'll be fine. I really don't think I ate another piece of cheese (laughs) for the rest of the trip, basically. (laughs) So anyway, we had our cheese breakfast and then Charlene had made a massage appointment for that day, late, late morning. So she did that. And when we returned, she told us literally it was the best massage she'd ever had in her life. And Sally and I took off on foot and biggest travel tip for Matera no flip flops no high heels you wear really good sneakers like sneakers with support yeah because,
1: or or some sort of hiking low hiking yeah, shoe or something right
0: because it's all uneven steps i yep. mean we all had sneakers so yep. we were fine but if i was there in the summer i wouldn't wear
1: a flip flop for any no, for no 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 and and you've got to be cognizant of what's going because these you know these weren't out, all laid out with Rise over run, like chair, you know, stairs are. Oh, right.
0: They're uneven. They're
1: uneven and And long. Different long, then there's a short one. Right, right.
0: Yeah, you you really do have to pay attention. You have to pay attention. Sally and I took off and we just walked and walked and walked. I think we went into every church. She was very cool about that. I converted her within a week of uh, the trip to a church lady? Yep. Every church, every coffee bar, every building, every cave. And then you figure out the lay of the land. Like I said, north to south was at least a mile. East to west, maybe half a mile. But up and down in the the bottom part is where the old original saucy are. We just walked and walked and walked. And it was a workout like no other. But you didn't care because you were just sucked in. You just looked at everything you You were in a place you'd never seen anything like it, and you just didn't want it to stop. So
1: unlike any other experience in Italy. Right. For us, anyway. For us, yes. But, um,
0: you know, we'd treat ourselves to a gelato or a cappuccino or whatnot, and then then Sally and I bought some panini and salad or something and brought it back so we could just have lunch ourselves on the terrace outside because the view looking out to the other over the ravine to the other mountain where the other even older saucy are with stone churches built into the rock. I mean, carved into the rock. So we had lunch outside and everything you sit on is, you know, appropriate wood tables, wood benches, stone benches. There's vines everywhere. It was just stunning. So we had our, lunch outside, and then we had an early aperitivo inside the breakfast room, dinner room, etc. And they were having a private event that night, a private dinner for someone. So a lot of the staff was coming and going, and they all stopped and said, oh, hello, you're Kimberly, nice to meet you. And we started chatting to them and found out that they were all locals that had grown up in Matera, They'd gone away after high school to either school or to work somewhere else in in Italy or Europe. And then when Matera started to get its groove back, they all came back. They wanted to be part of this resurgence of their hometown. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the pure joy of staying in small places as opposed to a larger hotel. You, sure. you get to know everyone, including this one man. We met the first night in the dark when he carried our luggage up, this big stone ramp, and he's from Afghanistan. So while we were having our Aperol spritz, he told us about the years he lived in camps and somehow he ended up in the U.S. at some point. And then he finally found his way to Matera, where he told us he literally has a job for life at this cave dwelling because they respected his work ethic and he summed up his entire life experience by saying of all the places that he's lived, all that he lived through in his own country of Afghanistan, everything was worth it. Once he started, quote unquote, living and working amongst the Italians, he's now happy and fulfilled. That's what he said. And I swear the three of us were just about crying. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm I pretty- mean, it was, you just thought, here's a man from Afghanistan who's probably 50 right? and he had a hard life compared right. to most of us. And he loved it there. And he was so kind and nice and generous. And those are the people we give the 10 euro tip to every time because they are so hardworking and grateful for that little added tip. Sure. And then it's not like you're buying friendship. It's genuine. Right. They're really, really nice. And I have to say that all of the people that join me on these two kitten club tours, every single one of them at some point toward the end of the trip mentioned that they had never gotten to know Italians on any previous trip. Well, one woman had never been to Italy. Right. No, sorry, two, but everyone else said, I have always loved Italy every single trip, but I've never gotten to know anyone like I
1: have on this trip with you. Well, to be quite honest with you also here, it's, it's a part, a part of it is you, my, my dear. (laughs) opening up the door with your Italian language skills and your love of Italy and everything else. And it's infectious. And so the the people that work there understand that you appreciate them and you speak right. their language. And that translates to everyone else having a nice time and enjoying that relationship that you open up.
0: Right. But then you like-
1: I'm, I'm biased, little, I'm biased. You
0: make a little friendship. I mean, come on. I was just texting yesterday with the waiter again from- Rome, our favorite restaurant in Rome, like and and also last week I was WhatsApping with the uh, son of the uncle that drove us in Puglia. i oh, yeah, sending him a WhatsApp because I just referred a client to him for upcoming trip. So it's like we're all Amici. <laughs> we're all Amici now from just uh, two kitten club trips. Yeah, it's awesome. But think of all the Amici I have from the last. <laughs> Twenty-five years. <laughs> anyway, okay. Carrying on. So the next morning, we woke up, went into the breakfast room, and we completely avoided the cheese table. We didn't even <laughs> look at it. <laughs> and Pietro knew he was laughing. He goes oh, some formaggio. And we're like, no. So <laughs> your arteries
1: were happy. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we had yogurt. I don't know what they do, but the the Italian yogurt is unlike any other. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Oh, delicious. It's like a combination of cream. And, and But light yogurt. cream, it's but light, just so yeah, good. Yeah, it's very light. And
0: fruit that we don't normally get here in Little Rhode Island, like persimmon and figs. And then we, of course, tried all the tarts and oh, it was just delicious. So that's how we started our day, with the proper breakfast they offer. And Charlene, who had recently had a knee replacement surgery, she took an apé tour. So... I because she couldn't walk as far as Sally and I were going to. So let me tell you what an Ape is, for those that don't know. It's like a three-wheeled motorcycle. Two wheels in the back, one in the front. He has the, they have the handlebars, just like a Vespa or a motorcycle. But in the back, in the old day, they were built for just transporting your goods. So it was like a, a transport cart in the back. But now they've retrofitted them. So this Ape had a little uh, you know, canvas cover over it in case it was raining and some, you know, plexi wind not plexi windows, but plastic windows you could zip down. So Charlene gets in this Ape with this local guy who was awesome. He had this funky, funny, bleach blonde, curly Italian hair. He was really nice and she had a three-hour tour with him. So she got to see every inch because they will allow these little apes down onto these, to the larger sidewalks. There's no street, so let's just call them sidewalks. So the apes are allowed down into the Sasi, the original Sasi at the bottom of the ravine. And she got to see every inch, which was great because this place, Matera, is not for people that uh, can't walk well. She can walk fine, but in this case, she couldn't go as long as, as Charlene and I could. So he was great. He even took her phone. They had selfies. She came back with like 50 selfies. (laughs) It was awesome. So she had a really, really, really good time. Meanwhile, Sally and I did an entire afternoon again of walking and discovered even more. I think we walked on every single stone path of Matera and the most unique thing we did that day was we went into the Palombaro Lungo and uh, Palombaro is a underground cistern that, you know how they started with Roman aqueducts, but then they went later in history to underground cisterns. And this one is nicknamed the water cathedral because it's so deep. So we paid uh, three euro to go into this amazing place. That's like $4, 3.75 to go in to see this underground water cistern. So we walked down these metal grates for steps so you could see through. And then they have everything lit, this neon green, which is funny, but it made sense because it showed you how it was built, how it was carved out, where the original waterways were, and they were filled with water Mm -hmm. and you could walk on top of the water on top of this thick, you know, like one inch plexi. It was super, super interesting. So those were built around the 1800s, early 1800s, but they supplied all the water to the whole region of Matera, the whole city. And it was from the bottom to the top over 15 meters. It was incredible. I highly recommend it. And also the locals are very proud of it because this Palombaro is second longest one in Italy. And the funny backstory is they didn't find it until about 25 years ago. There was this open parking lot area because it's on the further side where they allowed cars to park for all these years. And about 20 years ago, they're like, you know, we're starting to clean this place up and we don't want this, you know, ramshackle freeform form parking space here in a piazza. So they removed all the cars and they decided to redo the what had been there with a nicer stone. And when they dug up, they're like, hmm, what's under here? And there it was. It was only from the early 1800s and they just forgot about it. So the story is that they found the oldest people still living in Matera and asked them, If they remember the cistern or, you know, like from their grandparents getting the water and stuff, they're like, yeah, now it's a parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Like they didn't realize the history of it. So anyway, I highly recommend it. And it's totally worth the three euro fee. For our last night, we went to dinner at, in yet I should say another cave, one of the original saucies that had been renovated because they encouraged restaurateurs, hotels to take these original saucies and transform them into accommodations and restaurants and art galleries and stores to lure in people. So we went to one of those restaurants and it was lovely and beautiful. The menu itself was a little um, formal. formal, good word, but yeah. the food was good. The wine was delicious. And
1: that's all that mattered all, all
0: we could think about was we are sitting in a cave from at least 7,000 years ago. It was fantastic. And after that, we went on a walk for hours at night, late at night. We literally walked every single teeny little side stone ramp everywhere. And we were primarily on the east side, the little areas that we hadn't seen during the day. And just like the rest of Italy, they light up all their buildings from the exterior. It wasn't as well lit as Rome, of course, but it's just magical at night to walk around these places. And at one point it was Sally and I were just left. Charlene went back and um we said, Look at this, let's walk under this arch. And we walk in and so quiet and eerie. Let's wonder let's walk under this stone archway. And we got into this teeny minuscule courtyard area, just all stone. And I thought, oh, it must be someone's house. And with that raw, 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 raw. <laughs> guard dog type guys. I mean, I had German shepherds. I love them, but I, they were like Dobermans, German shepherds, a whole load of them. And they were just guarding someone's cave dwelling. And so between their barking and our screaming, we, we lit up the quiet <laughs> the quiet woke night. Woke a few people yeah. up. Oh, well. <laughs> but we walked around till at least one in the morning. It was just so special. Anyway, Matera is one of those places where you can do that. Finally, I want to finish this episode by saying that I received an email a couple of days ago from a family who I planned a trip for. They stayed in Matera over Christmas last month, and they stayed in the same cave dwelling we did They had a walking tour with the same local we did. They ate in some of the same restaurants we did. They were there for longer, so they did more things, but they basically had the same experience we did. And in her email, she said, Matera, like you said, is an extraordinary place that we feel so fortunate to have gotten to know. That's sweet. And then the rest of the email, she said literally the word stunning like 35 times, (laughs) like more than me saying magical and, you know, incredible. So it made me so happy to know how much they enjoyed it. So there you have it. Our next episode will be picking up from where we left off, driving from Matera to Puglia, where Sally, Charlene and I stayed in an original trullo on a family-run farm, and it was
1: incredibile. How's that? Fantastico. Thanks for listening, everybody. And if it is you, Matias, down in Punta del Este, Uruguay, drop us an email at kim at Kimberly's Italy, just so we can say hello and reconnect, my friend.
0: Okay. Grazie tutti. Ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. E ciao, ciao.
1: Ciao, ciao.